Good evening. A Puritan's Mind brings you the old-time radio program, The Wild Boar News Podcast from sunny South Florida. Welcome. I'm Dr. Matthew McMahon. False teachers have plagued the church ever since the church has been a church. From the false teaching of Satan in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, to Balaam and his attempted cursings against the Israelites, to Hymenaeus, Alexander, and Philetus who taught that the resurrection had already occurred and shipwrecked their faith. But it seems that false teachers have a way with people. Of course they do. People would never be swayed by a devil wearing red pajamas and toting a pitchfork. They would not be so stupid as to follow the devil in open array, though some still might. Rather, false teachers have always had a charisma about them. They were strong leaders and those using persuasive words. They are like the super-apostles that the Apostle Paul had to contend with in his Corinthian correspondence. 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, quote, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. End quote. Interestingly, these false apostles were false teachers who spoke well and won the crowd. Paul himself says, 2 Corinthians 11.6, Even though I am untrained in speech, see, false teachers and those spreading lies and deception through demonic doctrines are always persuasive speakers and clever entrepreneurs of God's word, or at least the twisting of it. Arius, the great heretic of the 4th century, was the originator of Arianism a heretical Christological teaching which refused to concede the full divinity of Jesus Christ. How did he infiltrate the church? He was a great entrepreneur. Arius came up with taking his ideas and putting them to songs. Thus, hymnody was born in the midst of the people of God where heresies were sung as jingles that could easily be remembered. Not only are false teachers outwardly charismatic, but most of the time they seem to be brimming with love and compassion towards the people of God, though it be a false love. And they have great godly morals against the wrongs that have been done to them if they're rebuked. They are equally hurt when their voices and ideas are shot down by godly pastors and theologians. They think themselves ill-used and often put out the most humble of speeches and letters telling us all how badly they have been abused. This was even the case over the past week on the reformed Puritan board. Some federal visionists infiltrated the board, and after they had their privileges removed from interacting and no longer had the ability to post their ungodly information, they felt abused for being called out on it. After being called out on their position, they said they were, quote, publicly defamed, quote, and their, quote, character and motives were lied about, end quote. They said that they found our behavior, quote, disgraceful, lacking in Christian charity, end quote. They ultimately said that the reformed board administrators were, quote, wrong and are in sin, end quote. And they ended with, quote, 
when you are ready to apologize and seek forgiveness from us, end quote, we know how to contact them. Such speech seems like the epitome of martyrdom. Such manipulation and craftiness, however, brims over from the pit of hell. But such was the case with the false apostles in the church at Corinth. Though Paul was not necessarily the greatest of speakers, so we say with him, 2 Corinthians 11.6, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. Yes, the false teachers and propagators of heretical material and their information will always feel abused and ill-treated. They will make that known in earnest. They will, sniff, sniff, weep and wail at the disgrace shown to them. But really, when one gets down to brass tacks, it's very simple. They don't like not getting their own way. And they don't like it when the truth that sets others free shackles them in their own schemes and banishes them from amidst the people of God. Humility at the expense of truth is the devil's playground. This is Dr. Matthew McMahon signing off. For more information on Biblical, Reformed, and Puritan theology, visit www.apuritansmind.com www.apuritansmind.com Good night, then, until this same time next week. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they 
to admit this principle that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.